Hello and welcome back. We are going to finish this section, hopefully, of identifying the support columns of this uh, latest book by Jeff Berwicks that is called The Controlled Demolition of the USA Empire. And we are down to the very last point called the legalization of lies. We are at 56% of the book. So if you missed the episodes before, you may need to go back and listen to them. Here, a little drum roll for you. has been polishing that turd about, you know, the election being corrupted by Russia for so long that it says more about their lack of actual pull within the establishment political apparatus that despite 24-7 coverage and a unified front by the Democrats and their partners at CNN and MSNBC, they still have not been able to convince the public that Russia actually had any role in Trump's election victory because it is so plainly obvious to anyone that Hillary Clinton was the reason why Hillary Clinton lost the election. It was not because of the Russians, not due to voter fraud, not as a result of fake news, not due to James Comey talking about her plethora of lies, but rather because she was such an unlikable candidate that she made Donald Trump seem like a reasonable alternative. Yeah, because it's all scripted out anyway. We know that they're both working for the same people, right? It's the same boss. A candidate with zero political experience, the type of guy that uh, was on record telling men to grab him by the pussy, a notorious liar, a golf cheat, a serial exaggerator, a womanizer, I honestly don't know how a woman can go with him, but that's another story, and spray tan addict beat Hillary Clinton, and that is the truth of the matter. Oh, God, you just kill me. <laughs> Jeff, you're so funny. <sighs> it was not because of Russia. It was because she was a horrible presidential candidate. Yeah, no shit. All she had to do was be a normal human being, and she would have destroyed him in the election, but she simply could not do that because she's not. Perhaps Hillary Clinton lost the election because she had a campaign manager in John Podesta that is suspected of being a pedophile who had a brother that was a band lobbyist and collector of pedophilic-related art. I mean, how screwed up do you need to be? She had accepted money and at least six trips on the private jet of a convicted pedophile named Jeffrey Epstein has had Trump a trip her husband had also made on 26 different occasions. 
Her right-hand woman was married to a convicted pedophile in Anthony Weiner and claimed her favorite pizza place is in Washington, D.C. is Comet Pizza, a well-known pedophile establishment. Give me a break. Maybe there were too many pedophiles in decision-making roles within her circle of influence for America to feel comfortable with that. Yeah, just a bit. Photos of her and good friend Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> or Weinstein, should we say, did not help either, especially when it came out that they have been very good friends for well over 20 years. And as far as I'm concerned, that's Weinstein because it's German and it's not English, for what I can see. And it's the same thing as Epstein. It's not Epstein. I know you like to warp other languages, but that's German as far as I know. So People are judged on the company that they keep. And in the case of the Clintons, it is a bunch of sex offenders, Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein and billionaires running brownstone operations to entrap political and business rivals. Nice people. American politics is a as is dirty as it comes. I think I'll put them on my next Christmas list for my party. <laughs> the corporate media is so corrupt that nothing they say can be taken at face value. The American military has been used as a tool for regime change by the wealthy families that run the country. The American education system has been completely subverted and compromised. As bad as all this is, the reality of the situation is that there are only annoyances in comparison to what is being used to rig the detonators to the American empire. Oh, my God, guys, we actually finished that section, the section called Identifying the Support Columns. Woohoo! So I'm going to start the next section since, you know, we're doing so well on time. And it's called Rigging the Detonators. We are right now at 57% of the book. I'm really happy. I'm trying to read through it as fast as possible. But you do have to forgive me. I need to put my commentator, you know, bullshit in it because it's part of the deal, you know. And remember, um, these people wrote the book, uh, you know, this is not bringing them any money. Yes, I'm sharing their book. But, you know, if you can, maybe, you know, either buy the book or just understand and appreciate the fact that you know, this can be done anyway, right? So, I just want to remind you of this, that's all. You know, I'm not trying to rip anybody off. They, Jeff said, share it, and I know he realizes that many people can't read, many people cannot get it, they haven't made yet the, um, you know, sound version, the audio version of the book, so... Mine is not perfect, and it's far from being a professional one, I suppose, because I've never done it professionally, and I didn't have the intention of doing this 
like you know a professional would read a book but I just want to read it out for people so sorry if I'm boring you with my commentator um, comments <laughs> bear with me okay rigging the detonators the American printing press in action before coronavirus BC long before the panic pandemic reared its ugly head in 2020, the Federal Reserve Bank had been crazily spinning in its wheel, printing more and more money. That is because the United States government spends money like Nicolas Cage on a coke bender. Poor guy. Of course, <laughs> I say it with smirk, a Gulfstream jet two yachts, 80 motorcycles, 50 vintage and new cars, including some Ferraris, a couple of Mercedes, a Rolls Royce, a few Bentleys, a bunch of Aston Martins, no idea what those are, and the Shah of Iran's Lamborghini, Miura, SVJ are prudent investments. And much like the American government, he also had a bit of an impulsive side and a strange taste for weird stuff like a $270,000 dinosaur skull, several shrunk, shrunken heads of people, of course, wow, two albino king cobras, a million dollar Superman comic book, and meteorites, plural. Money well spent. The United States throws trillions of dollars down the military information terror complex rat hole every single year with nothing to show for it except for a dozen illegal wars. A fleet of F-35 that cannot fly on back-to-back -back days or any place with sand and warehouses filled with smart bombs that always seem to fall wildly, of course. At least Nick Cage has some cool snakes to show for all of his reckless spendings. There are two main reasons why the United States has the ability to conjure up money out of thin air like they have a printing press. The first, is that they actually have a printing press that they call the Federal Reserve Bank. And the second reason is the petrodollar. The Federal Reserve Bank will always print more money for the American government, even though it is not a governmental organization. It is a private bank owned by a consortium of other central banks and managed by the monetary mothership in Basel, Switzerland, the Bank for International Settlements, B-I-S. <laughs> Peace. If the American people made only one decision in an effort to improve the country, the most important and far-reaching choice they could make would be the abolition of their private central bank, the Federal Reserve Bank. 
It would improve the lives of millions of people overnight and would remove the cancerous tumor that has been responsible for the financial illness we call inflation that has whittled the value of a dollar by 96.1 in just over one century. The reason why someone's grandfather could buy a loaf of bread for a nickel is that back then there was far less money in circulation and the money that was in circulation was actually backed by something tangible. It is important to note that America had central banks before the Federal Reserve was established, but they were smashed into pieces on a couple of occasions because they were destroying the country. Nowhere is the corruption and contamination of the American empire more obvious than the relationship between the Fed and the United States, between, I meant, sorry, between the Fed and the United States government, where every governmental whim is financed within a thought to the consequences. I said within, I meant without a thought to the consequences. Wow, I'm leaving it there because screwing up is part of the game. Drum roll for that. <laughs> I think we need to just pause for a minute too because it's a lot of stuff to digest. It's like, wow, you know, there's so much corruption, so much. I mean, when you go, when you read it a little by little, it's like really overwhelming. I mean, I hope you guys are tapping on your karate cho point to just kind of like let it out, you know. <sighs> anyway. So, and why not? After all, it theoretically costs nothing to crank up the printing press and churn out a huge stack of money to buy a new batch of tanks or build military bases in 140 countries. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, they can, they keep printing money. No problemo. Yeah, right. The Federal Reserve Bank creates and regulates the money supply of the United States, but it is a private bank that does not answer to any government agency. The Fed is run by a director that is appointed by not voted, but not voted on. Oh, wow. The decisions that the Fed makes are not subject to any oversight by the federal government, though they greatly impact everyone in the country. It just makes no sense, right? Like, when you realize this, it's like, and if you don't know this stuff, of course you wouldn't suspect, right? Understanding what the Federal Reserve actually is, is fundamental to figuring out why the American monetary system behaves the way it does. Absolutely. I, I know it blew my mind when I got into this and I was like holy fuck. The public is led to believe that this bank is a part of the United States government. It is not. Former Fed Chief Alan Greenspan admitted that the Federal Reserve is an independent agency and that no other agency of government can overrule the actions they take. Wow. The Fed sets interest rates and loans, the money, 
that they create from literally nothing out of the other banks. Those banks in turn lend that money out to people and businesses at a higher interest rate than they borrow it for, thus making a profit. Yeah, of course, so the interest rate and they borrow it for. Sorry, I, I read it, but I didn't read it with the emphasis I wanted. However, I'm sure you got it. But there is a catch. The concept of creating money out of thin air, then attaching an amount of interest that must be paid back along with the money at a specified time, makes this equation collapse on itself. Wall Street's secret bailout. When Hank Paulson held a gun to the collective heads of the American taxpayer in 2008 and threatened to blow their financial brains out unless he received $700 billion to stop the bleeding of his friends on Wall Street. My goodness. <laughs> Known to the world as TARP, Trouble Asset Relief Program, no one ever thought to look around the corner to see what the Fed was doing. The Federal Reserve was going out, was giving out, sorry, turkeys like <laughs> Nino Brown on Thanksgiving, trying to bribe the neighborhood so that they can keep their scam running for a little bit longer. In the banking game, paltry just will not cut it. So the Fed <laughs> put the word out that they were open for business, but not for the common person. They only deal with other banks. So after TARP was done looting the American government for money to help the poor bankers, <laughs> those same bankers walked down the streets to the Fed, and that was where things got serious with the bailout that nobody ever heard about. Jesus. These are the banks that were invited to the secret bailout. <laughs> okay. So here we are, Citigroup, 2.513 so trillion, okay, 2,513 trillions. Morgan Stanley, 2,041 trillion. Merrill Lynch, 1,949 trillion. Bank of America, 1,344 trillion. JP Morgan Chase, 391 billion. Deutsche Bank, 354 billion. <laughs> 54. UBS, 287 billion. Credit Suisse, 262 billion. <laughs> Lehman Brothers, 183 billion. Bank of Scotland, 181 billion. BMP Paribas, 175 billion. Parde PLC, 868 billion. Billion, Bear Stearns, 153 billion, Goldman Sachs, 814 billion, Royal Bank Scotland, 541 billion, Wells Fargo, 159 billion, Dexia, 159 billion, Wachovia, 142 billion. 
Dresner Bank, sorry, 135 billion. Societe, uh, I'm, I know I'm reading it wrong, and I'm so bad because I should know, because I study French. Societe Generale, 124 billion. Societe, probably. Societe Generale, I guess. 124 billion. And all other borrowers, 2,639 trillion. So 2,639 trillion. Sorry, but these numbers make my head spin, as I said many times before. And it's freaking disgusting when I read this stuff anyway. It just disgusts me. So the final amount of money that was essentially printed out of thin air was $16.1 trillion. That's trillion with a T. That's insane. So exchange stabilization fund. The exchange stabilization fund was created by the US Treasury in 1934 with the proceeds from the gold confiscation scam that the United States government pulled on its citizens. The federal government ordered all Americans to turn in their gold in exchange for $1.20 per ounce. Anyone who did not exchange their gold for dollars would be arrested. Wow. The Treasury then reevaluated all the gold that they confiscated to a value of 35 per ounce, essentially robbing the people of a 75% increase in the value of the gold that they once owned, and successfully completed the biggest robbery in recorded history without shooting anybody. And the government wonders why the citizens do not trust them. The Exchange Stabilization Fund was created to defend the integrity of the dollar, and it is above any oversight from Congress, and the authority of the ESF is literally above the law. The operations of the ESF are classified as an area of national security, and therefore they do not have to release any of their financial documents to the public. Oh my gosh, please. The ESF essentially operates as a slush fund to finance covert operations without the interference of congressional oversight. Because the money is off the books and free from scrutiny, it is impossible to know for sure how much money is stashed there, but a fair guess would be multiple trillions of dollars. You can throw a whole lot of parties with multiple trillions of dollars. Yeah, and you can order a lot of hot dogs, right? And we know what hot dogs are. The Federal Reserve takes the majority of the heat for the mandatory policy in the United States, but the Exchange Stabilization Fund is every bit as evil and dangerous to the well-being of the citizens. Terrorists in nice suits. Yeah, they are. And it's disgusting. When the banks introduce free credit into the market for their corporate bodies, a couple of things are bound to happen. The corporations use this money to speculate on things like mergers and acquisitions, real estate, buybacks of their own stocks, dividend increases, and the purchase of other stocks. 
It fuels bubbles in the stock and real estate markets because free money makes everything seem cheap. And as long as more free money is available, the new money into these markets will continue to push up the values. When the Fed flooded the banks and corporations with $16 trillion for financial assistance, after the markets tanked in 2008, that money was first used to shore up their balance sheets, then used as the fuel that created the stock market boom that was about to come. Since early 2009, the S&P 500 stock index ballooned by 300%, which is exactly what one would expect since the money was never contingent on capital investment, the hiring of new employees, home loans, auto loans, or any other conditions. The S&P 500 grew 80% higher than its peak during the 2007 boom. Wow. These bubbles never end well for the common participants, of course not, but the wealthiest always seem to be able to exit the scene just in time to benefit from the drop in values of assets when they step back in years later to purchase them again for pennies on the dollar. Oh yeah, you're right. They really have a right to be richer because they're all so smart. That's why they're richer. Just want to say that to all the morons who say that. I still love you, but geez, I wish you'd wake up. Of course, this is nothing new. During the Great Depression's trigger event, the stock market crash of 1929, most of the average investors were cleaned out while those that manufactured the event were sitting on the sideline poised to profit from buying back assets at depressed prices. This is a classic pump and dump scheme that has been at the core of all market manipulation throughout the last century. The tide of fear connected to the stock market receded from 2011 to 2018 and drew everyone from the beach down into the ankle-deep water to pick up all of the treasures that the receding water exposed. But the people have forgotten what happens to all of that water. It does not just vanish, it simply moves offshore and gathers into a tsunami that catches everyone off guard and destroys everything that did not have the sense to understand what was coming. J.P. Morgan believes that a, gar a gargantuan financial crisis is right around the corner, and when it hits, the solution that the controllers propose will seem like nothing short of a rigged and criminally orchestrated fraud as the Federal Reserve, for the first time ever, enters the market to purchase stock. So who owns the majority of the stocks in the United States? The 1% does. And what type of stocks makes up a chunk of their portfolios? Banking stocks, of course. 
When the stock market collapses due to being built on a foundation of fraud, disinformation, collusion, and the stock buyback programs fueled by free money from the Fed, the banks will be pulling the rip cords on their golden parachutes while the Federal Reserve cranks up their magic printing press again to create more fiat dollars and silently inflate the money supply in order to buy the stock of Goldman Sachs and Citigroup so that they are assured of not becoming worthless. Heads, the bankers win. Tails, the people lose. And we're going to stop here because the next um, title is The Visible Hand of Crony Capitalism. And we're going to do that in the next episode. My mind is blowing anyway, and I need to take a break because I truly need to now relax after this. But here... one.